Okay, here's chapter three of the book, Gangster Redemption, which is loyalty. But what I want to say before I even start this chapter is this has been a, it's a wild ride already. Uh, it's bringing back a lot of memories, some good and bad. And I hope you're enjoying it, and I hope you pass the word. Uh, it's pretty, pretty interesting how this is going. I've never done something like this before, and it's harder than you think. So thanks for bearing with me, and I hope you enjoy the book. Here we go, chapter three, loyalty. After the success of the Sunrise robbery and his other gangsterly pursuits, Larry Lawton was living well for the first time. The mobsters in New York, and Dominic Ganji in particular, wondered whether it all had gone to his head. Now that he had money, they wanted to know whether Lawton would be as loyal to them in the future as he had in the past. One afternoon, the phone rang at home. It was Willie the Weeper. Larry, Dominic wants you up here in the morning, nine o'clock. Larry hung up the phone and caught the first Delta flight out of New York. And when he arrived at LaGuardia, he was picked up by a driver from My Way Cab Service, the Gambino Personal Cab Company. The cab company, My Way, was owned by one of the guys from uh, the Gambinos. I'd get in the car and he'd hand me a pistol because I couldn't carry a pistol on the plane. And I'd be sitting in the passenger seat up front, scaring the crap out of the cabbie, because I'd be cursing at the traffic on the Belt Parkway going from LaGuardia Airport to the home stretch bar in Bensonhurst. Here I had just left beautiful Fort Lauderdale, and you know the way Brooklyn is, dirty and stopped up with traffic. I always made sure I got there. At nine in the morning on a Friday, Dominic was already there and we started playing gin rummy. I didn't say a word that was important. I didn't say, why am I here? On Friday, the mob guys would play cards with the big earners. Joey, a guy my age who ran drugs while I ran robberies and warehouse hits, was there. Joey and I were very close. We played cards all day. Dominic never once said a word about why he wanted me up there. And I didn't say a word. Later, I learned he just wanted to see if I'd drop everything and come up. I usually stayed until Sunday. Saturday night, I'd go out with the boys. I'd hang out with the guys, and on Sunday, I'd go back to Florida. One day, I asked Willie the Weeper, Hey, Willie, what was up with me coming up here that one time? Listen, you passed the big test, Larry, he said. What do you mean? We all knew you were making tons of money in Florida, he continued. Dominic tested you to see how big your head was getting. If you have said, Dom, can I wait? He might have questioned your loyalty because he might need you for something real important, but you passed a really good test. That's what loyalty is really all about. Uh, a note there, I actually did that when I was down here in Florida with my guys. Uh, I would actually beep them. Back then you had beepers and I would make sure you had only two reasons not to answer my beeper call. You were either dead or in jail. If you're not, you better be showing up. And I'll tell you about a story about that later. If I call up a friend and say, I need you, you'll know the kind of friend he is if he says, what do you need me for? Or what is it about? Are you going to be there or not? You don't ask questions, you just come. Whatever he had to do, you did. Lawton had joined the Gambinos because he knew he would need their protection, and twice they would come to his rescue. The first time came when a made man from the Gambino family 
by the name of Mike the Bandit approached Lawton and told him he wanted Lawton to fence his jewels through him. He was a short little Italian guy, about 60 years old, said Lawton. He was a hustler too. He was trying to horn in on my hustle. I was supposed to respect him, but I was, I was making more than he was. A lot of the made men didn't make the money I was making, so I was very well respected as far as being an earner for the family. To get out from under Mike the Bandit, Lawton appealed directly to Dominic. I said to Dom, Mike wants to move in on my action. I have a great fence. I don't need him, and I don't need his shit. Who needs this crap? I'm making top dollar, and everybody's making money. Larry, I will take care of it, said Dominic. Don't worry about it. We always went to La Palina restaurant in Brooklyn on Friday night, mob night. Eight guys sat around this big round table, including Mike the Bandit. There was no menu. They brought us pasta and a table full of dishes. And at the end of the meal, we had the old time Italian espresso with Sambuca. The old silver pots that you turn up and down. Uh, they were filled with the espresso and they bring the whole pot out there and a bottle of Sambuca. Dominic said, nobody in here talks to Larry about anything. And Mike the Bandit looks right at me. He was glaring because he wanted to get in on all my action. He was thinking about some kind of bullshit he could pull, but he couldn't because Dominic said he couldn't. After the two and a half hour meal, Lawton went back to the home stretch. Some guys started, stayed downstairs and the others went upstairs to play high stakes poker, including Dominic. Mike the Bandit never bothered Lawton again. The next incident Lawton got himself involved in, he could have resulted in a bad ending for him had Dominic Ganji not intervened. Being connected probably saved Lawton's life. He was down in Florida living the large life. He visited a nightclub called Flicks, owned by a guy named Ernie. Lawton never did know his last name. A friend of his who had inherited $30 million. His father had owned a company that did most of the asbestos removal in New York City. Ernie and Larry went to the high roller area of the nightclub and they were up there drinking when a guy who Larry had never seen before started mouthing off to a girl Larry knew. Larry slugged him. Bam! And the guy went flying backward. The guy quickly got up and came towards Lawton, but Ernie stepped between them. We'll take you in the back and put you in a 55-gallon drum, you motherfucker, said Ernie. Get the fuck out of here. Larry had no idea who the guy was. Six months later, Larry was in the home stretch. When, when who walks in but the same guy he had decked, said Lawton. He was with another guy, and he recognized me. And he says, he's dead. The guy's dead. I don't give a fuck. Who the fuck does, does he think he is, thought Lawton. My immediate boss, Willie the Weeper, said, what's going on? I'm there with all my guys, Joey, Frankie, Jackie, Mike the Band, and Joe Cap. I hear from Willie that the guy is a made man with the Banano family. Willie cleared out the bar. Forty people were standing on the sidewalk in front of the bar in Brooklyn. This was a Saturday, and I was at one end of the bar. Joey, my right-hand man, with me. Joey was my, was my equal. He was an earner who sold drugs, and he was a big guy. He could hit somebody. You don't fuck with us kind of guys. I said, Willie, I didn't know who the guy was. He was disrespecting a girl down in Florida, and I smacked him. What the fuck you want me to do? It was Florida. Willie knew he had to call Dominic, his boss, to straighten this out. 
The man Lawton had hit was equal in rank to Willie the Weeper. Powerful, but not as powerful as Dominic. Lawton was pretty sure Dominic would protect him because of all the money he was passing up to him. It's all about money, said Lawton. That's all they really care about. And we had a very strong crew. Even John Gotti knew about our crew. People got a lot of money from us, so Dominic had a lot of juice. If Dominic said something, it got done. Dominic used to meet with Paul Castellano, so Dominic was up there on the mob ladder. It took Dominic about 40 minutes to drive from New Jersey to the bar. He was just in time. The tension at the bar was growing. I was always carrying a pistol, and on this day I was carrying two. I'm saying to Joey, I have to kill this motherfucker. I have to kill him because he's going to want to kill me. Maybe I should do it now. I ought to shoot the motherfucker. Calm down, Larry, you fucking psycho, Joey says. I got two pistols. I can shoot everybody. I don't give a fuck. I, I thought like that. This was the business I was in. The guy was staring down the bar with his gorilla friend, and I was talking to Joey, eyeing that motherfucker, ready to pull pistols. If he had made a move, I was going to shoot the fucker. They were sitting there at the bar exchanging dirty looks when Dominic's car pulled into the spot directly in front of the home stretch. No one parked there. It was Dominic's spot. If ever somebody tried to park there, someone from the bar would come out and say, get out of there. They always did. When Dominic pulled in, everybody was standing out front, said Lawton. Dominic knew a little bit about what was going on. You have to picture him, short, slick black hair, an old timer. He comes walking in with this funny strut. Dominic calls Willie over and they talk. He used to walk in like this little guy. He was a little guy, about five foot six. He'd come walking in. Before he comes over to me, he walks over to the guy and shakes his hand. The guy knew who Dominic was. Then Dominic gives me a nod and we went into the back. Joey waited at the bar. Come here, kid. Dominic called, called me kid. He liked me. Or he called me Larry Florida. I was crazy Larry or Larry Florida. Dominic asked Larry what had happened. Lawton told him, Dominic, the guy came into the bar. It was in Ernie's place. The guy was disrespectful to a girl. I smacked him. You smacked him? I punched him. Lawton cor corrected himself. There was a difference. A smack is more disrespectful than a punch. I hit the guy. Dominic told him, I'm going to have to straighten this out. You have to apologize to this guy. Lawton said he'd do whatever Dominic asked him to do. At this point, Lawton could breathe easy. He feared that maybe he would have had to get out of town, that Dominic would say, I can't protect you here, but he didn't. That's how much juice I had, said Lawton. Dominic was getting envelopes with 30,000, 40,000 from me twice a year. Dominic wanted the money. We'd go in the bathroom and I'd say, we had a nice score, here's an envelope. And I, and I took a few diamonds for you. He'd look through them and take one, maybe a nice two-carat diamond for his wife or his daughter. He'd stick it in his pocket. Be careful, kid, he'd say. Shut your mouth. Nobody knows nothing. After Dominic and Lawton uh, talked in the back, they emerged into the bar. Dominic called Lawton's antagonist over. The guy was still royally pissed off. This fucking punk did this, he was saying. Who does he think he is? Hold on, hold on, Dominic said. As instructed, Lawton attempted to apologize. I'm sorry, he said. I didn't know who you were. I do apologize. I was out of line. Lawton wanted to, but didn't say, you're a jerk off, motherfucker. Instead, he tried to be nice. He said, I was out of line. His curt reply, I don't give a fuck who you know. 
after apologizing, I tried to be real nice to this guy and, and just get out of this thing because I was really scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. Dominic stopped the conversation. He motioned Lawton to sit down and he made a rare phone call on the payphone. He only said a few words because the mob guys knew the phones were tapped by the FBI. Dominic came back and said to the guy, I just got off the phone with your boss. Anything happens to this kid and you won't make six o'clock tonight. I don't give a fuck if he gets hit by a car. Now take your fucking ass and get the fuck out of here. Sure enough, the guy left. Said, Lord, I'm feeling like a million bucks. The guy went out pissed. I was thinking he was going to try something, but I was packing. Dominic said to me, you don't tell nobody anything. Everybody waiting outside came back into the bar. Everyone knew what had happened, that Dominic had my back. My stature went up a notch. I said to Joey, I thought I was fucking dead, man. Fuck that. I ain't dying for any of these motherfuckers. You sick bastard was all Joey could say. Dominic hung around for a few minutes, talking to the guys. He told Willie, watch the kid. He knew he would. Lawton returned to Florida, and it wasn't long before he decided that with all this other hustles, he didn't have time for the pizzeria. I was sitting at the kitchen table with my wife, and I thought, fuck this shit. It's too much work. I'm making too much money. This fucking place has to go. I'll get the insurance money. Lawton decided the way to get rid of it was to burn it down. He didn't know what he was doing, and he had no idea how good the fire marshals were. And they are good. His first attempt was trying to light the ceiling on fire, just fooling around to see if it would light. Lawton held the lighter up to the asbestos ceiling, but it only made a mark. Then he, then he told himself, okay, on Sunday, I'm going to do it. The pizza Paul had an alarm system. He wondered, what do I do? The pizza Paul closed at seven on Sundays. Lawton had arranged to go to a friend's house with his wife to sit in a jacuzzi and drink some wine. Lawton's wife didn't know he was going to burn it. She never said a word. Lawton never once questioned her loyal to him or even to question him. Before they left the pizzeria, Lawton set a garbage can on fire, set the alarm, and walked out. He went to his friend's house and waited for his beep to go off, telling him what number to call so he could learn his place was on fire. We went into the jacuzzi, drank wine, talked. I didn't get a phone call. What the fuck? Later that evening, Lawton returned to the pizzeria. There was no sign of a fire. He walked in. The fire had gone up the wall, but had gone out. Nothing else caught on fire. So he took a lighter and he lit the pizza boxes piled in the back of the restaurant. He put the alarm back on, walked out, and drove home. Fifteen minutes later, he got a call. Your pizzeria is on fire. I drove down to the pizzeria, and the whole plaza was ablaze, said Lawton. Fire trucks were everywhere. The smoke from the fire wiped out four other stores. There was a beverage store, an insurance place, and a barbecue restaurant. I wiped them all out of business. My God, oh my God, my pizza place. The fire adjusters came in and they talked to Lawton about his insurance. Little did he know that the fire marshals had started an investigation. They discovered three origins of the fire. The one where he hit the ceiling with the lighter just to test it. The one on the side of the wall where the fire went up the, up the wall. And the pizza boxes. So holy fuck, they knew it, it's arson. But that wasn't what he was saying to the fire marshals. He told them, I don't know who did it. My cook has a key code. The cleaning person has a key code. 
I have one, my wife has one, a friend has one. So now the insurance company won't pay up and I take them to court and I lose. And a detective from North Lauderdale, Florida tries to get me for arson. He calls my wife in. He says, we know he did it. It'll be okay, just tell me. She kept saying, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I said the same thing and eventually they dropped the case. One great irony was that a couple of weeks after the fire, two of the other store owners approached Lawton. I'm sorry your, your pizza parlor burned down. The good news is that I'm getting my insurance money. It's kind of weird because after burning the pizzeria down, I was making money selling diamonds uh, and all that kind of stuff. So the, the whole plaza goes up. I didn't mean to, to burn the whole plaza down, but everybody else in that whole entire plaza made money. They all got their insurance. I didn't. I ended up losing my money and I wasn't about to fight over it uh, after losing any board.